This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This video is brought to you by Devout Decals makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Francis, in his infinite wisdom, mercy, and desire for unity, wants Catholics to unplug from social media, where there is endless chattering from what one political commentator back in the 1970s called the nattering nabobs of negativity. It's a turn of phrase I absolutely love, and it applies here. Francis wants us to unplug from social media. Why? Because on paper... It looks like he might be talking about how to have a better time meditating in Advent and that kind of thing, which is important, of course, but taken in context of everything going on at the moment and with his history of petty comments, it becomes pretty clear that what he's really asking for is his critics to lose their audience so he can get on with doing what it is he wants to do, which is to finish remaking the church into the image and likeness of his understanding of the intentions of Vatican II. That's what he wants. And... We have the words of a priest to remind us of this, that apparently Francis can do whatever he wants with no repercussions, and that we're supposed to just smile and nod and accept it all because that's what Catholics are supposed to do. So unplug from social media so you no longer have any idea about the bad things coming from Rome until it is far too late to do anything about it. Headline from Katholisch.de, the official news arm of the German bishops. Pope Francis is not pushing the church into schism. Well, that's reassuring, isn't it? I mean, we can all go home now content in knowing that the bishops who are doing more to push heresy in the church than anyone else have assured us that Francis is not pushing the church towards schism. There are times in life when we see someone who should not be the messenger for something making the mistake of being the, mes the promoter or messenger of an idea that is probably an important one, but in so doing, those who choose to promote the message undermine the important work that they're doing. They undermine their own efforts. That's probably the case here. But they say he's not promoting schism, but instead taking the church into a much-needed, bold new direction. And this bold new direction isn't actually not new at all. It's from It includes things that his predecessors had done. So, from the article, quote, The criticism of Pope Francis's administration is becoming increasingly louder. He often acts arbitrarily, pursues a progressive agenda, punishes conservative opponents, and rewards those who follow his example. The much-vaunted synodality is window-dressing because it actually only has an advisory character. Francis ultimately drives division within the church. I share many of the points of criticism and would like to see a pope who at least sticks to his own rules and, for example, submits resignations from archbishops within the deadlines provided for by the canon law and accepts or rejects them. But he has the freedom to do whatever he wants, and all we can do is accept it. This will undoubtedly have negative consequences for the already weakly developed legal culture within the church. However, there is one accusation that the Pope is unjustly accused of, the claim that he is driving the Catholic Church into schism. Since the beginning of Christianity, 
there have been divisions within the churches. Advancing modernization, not only in the Western world, inevitably leads to tensions and resistance. Worldwide integration also provo provokes non-simultaneities that cannot be easily resolved. Blaming Pope Francis for divisive tendencies in the contemporary church is dishonest. Rather, he is the catalyst for developments that have already begun before him. One example is his immediate predecessor, Benedict XVI. What is new under Francis is that conservative groups of believers now also feel excluded, an experience that previously so-called progressives was reserved. The question is, also with a view to the next pontificate, how can a pope really be a servant of unity, be as it meets his requirements? End quote. The translation leaves a little something we desire there, but I think you get the idea. The priest who wrote that snippet is actually right about one thing. Francis is continuing the work of his predecessors in some ways. Benedict was called the Green Pope for a reason, and he spoke about the need to have international authority over countries to enforce regulations about care for our common home, just like Francis did. That's all in the public record and can be checked by anyone who is surprised by that assertion. Francis's ecumenical dialogue and efforts, including the Pachademon stuff, has precedent in John Paul II and his infamous Assisi conferences. That's also a fact, even if people don't really want to engage with it as a fact. They don't want to accept it. But there is a difference now, though, between now and those times. Those popes were driven by a desire and an intellectual framework for ensuring continuity with what came before the council and the work of the council itself. They called it the hermeneutic of continuity, an idea that I reject simply because you can't have continuity with contradictory statements, such as the contradiction on what the church has said before Vatican II on matters about religious liberty. And after Vatican II, the two statements are contradictions. They're pretty much the opposite, and there's no continuity in such direct contradictions. Francis is clearly trying to continue their work, except he views Vatican II as having brought something new into the world. Hence why he is so forcefully trying to finish implementing the council, to paraphrase things he said at various times on the subject. Of course, the priest who wrote that is wrong, that Francis has the freedom to do whatever it is he wants and that we just have to accept it. Francis's job is to protect and preserve the deposit of the faith, to make sure that it's taught intact to the next generation, to proclaim the gospel to those who haven't heard it yet, or to those who reject it, as well as to reject errors, when they come up and correct them. But he doesn't exactly do those things, to put it mildly. And the power of popes are constrained anyway by their title of servant of servants, and by the sense of Christian charity they're supposed to have, and most importantly in portions of canon law that protect the rights of bishops and priests against actions that only a pope could take. If such portions of canon law exist and were put in place with the, under the authority of a pope, then that logically means that a pope in some ways is limited by canon law. Otherwise, the church wouldn't have wasted the time and the money to develop those sections of the code of canon law. They would serve no purpose. Here I'm thinking about the rights of bishops to due process from being forced into retirement or banished from their dioceses, a series of protective measures that the Grinch of the Grotto Santa Marta has decided to wholesale ignore because he lacks a sense of justice. Of course, that's not the only thing at issue here. Part of the problem the modernists have is that we now have the ability to communicate outside of official Vatican lines to tell the world what's actually going on in the church. They can't filter us, regardless of how hard they might try. It's that reason that we get this next story. 
Headline from American Magazine. Pope Francis, disconnecting from social media is essential to Christian life. I don't think I need to remind you that it's because of social media that we have this ability to communicate with one another, that we know how bad things are in Rome right now, and, to, and which enables us to correct doctrinal and theological errors whenever somebody in Rome decides to push something new, or to stand with good bishops and priests when they get unjustly sidelined or even canceled for defending the faith against the heresies of our time. That's clearly what Francis has in mind here. It's not merely a call to tone down the noise and distractions during Advent or Lent. That kind of message is fine. Remember, various bishops have suggested an accreditation system for independent Catholic media so that the church can tell you who to listen to and who not to listen to. Under historically normal circumstances in the church, that would be fine, but we don't live in normal times in the church. And that's actually the problem. From that article, quote, To connect with God, Christians must disconnect from the pollution of vain words and chatter that reach them through social media and instead seek silence in the desert, Pope Francis said. The desert is, quote, the place of silence and essentials, where someone cannot afford to dwell on useless things, but needs to concentrate on what is indispensable in order to live, the Pope said before praying the Angelus from his studio overlooking St. Peter's Square on December 10th. Reflecting on the day's gospel reading from St. Mark, in which St. John the Baptist is described as, quote, a voice of one crying out in the desert, the Pope said that the saint's decision to preach in the desert is a reminder of the need to be, quote, freed from the superfluous, to dig deeply within ourselves so as to hold on to what is truly important before God. Silence and sobriety from words, from using things, from media and from social media are not just sacrifices offered to God, he said, but, quote, essential elements of Christian life. Pope Francis said that the power of St. John's preaching is linked to the silence he experienced in the desert, which allowed him to listen to the Holy Spirit. If someone does not know how to be quiet, it is unlikely they will have something good to say. While the more attentive the silence, the more stronger the word, he said, end quote. Again, if he were talking merely about Advent fasting or Advent abstinence, that might be fine, but the giveaway is the barb at the phantom person who does not know how to be quiet because they don't have something good to say. What do you think he's talking about there? Those are his critics and the critics of the Synod on Sin and those who object to his program for the church. Pick a figure high enough profile that the Vatican might actually pay attention to them be it Bishop Strickland, Cardinal Burke, or Raymond Arroyo. We know that they pay attention to them. But it might also apply to anyone else you can think of. That's who they are talking about. All of them use social media to correct the errors of our time. And that is what Francis objects to. Regardless of whether he thinks he has the power to push in any error he pleases, and that we have to just accept it. Like what that priest in the previous article said. But I'm curious what you have to say about this, so let me know what you think. Do you think he's really talking about, you know, his critics there and those who are correcting the errors of our time, that he just really wishes that we'd all s stop paying attention to those, correcting those errors? Or do you think that the Pope can do whatever he wants, that there's no reason for canon law to protect the rights of bishops and give them due process and these other things, since a Pope can do whatever he wants, and that it was just fine that the church wasted its time and money putting together the, those portions of the code of canon law that protect the rights of bishops and priests and laity against actions that only a Pope can take. 
because that does limit a pope's power when you do that, logically speaking. Let me know what you think about all that in the comments, please, and hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, so to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.